what you're looking for is a core set of values. And I'm not saying other ones won't be important, but the non-negotiables that must be true in the way that we behave and interact and treat each other for you to be a happy, harmonious unit. Welcome to the Veterinary Leadership Success Podcast, the show for veterinary practice owners and managers who are eager to become the leaders their teams deserve. I'm your host, veterinarian and leadership expert, Dr. Dave Nichol, and each week I'll be diving into important topics from the world of veterinary team leadership. In these short, sharp and punchy episodes, I'll share my insights, experiences and practical tips to help you navigate the challenges of leadership in the veterinary profession. Whether it's head in the clouds vision casting or in the trenches leading for performance, we will cover it all. As an owner myself, I understand the unique dynamics and demands of running a successful veterinary practice. And I'm passionate about empowering you to create a workplace where people and pets can thrive. So if you're ready for your weekly leadership fix, let's dive in to this week's show. Let's talk more about values. In the last session, we covered off what they were, why they're important. In today's session, we're going to talk about exactly how you go about crafting your values. So values, we know that at the core of creating culture, we know that the, the things that really bind teams together or cause them to drift and sometimes not drift, but repel apart. So how do we go about creating these values? How do we get to a point where we can articulate and all be clear about what our values are? That is a very difficult thing to do. And a lot of people are confused about it. In fact, many people haven't gone through life being consciously aware of what their values are in the first instance. So the first thing I'd like to tackle is, who's the right person to go about creating the values? And the answer to that depends a lot on the size of your practice. If you're a practice where you've been around for a decade or more and there's 10, 20, 30 of you in the clinic, that's a different answer to the startup practice. Okay, so let's go with startup to start with. If it's just you, you're the boss, then you get to create the values on your own. And it's a lot easier to do that. If you're in a bigger clinic where, let's say you're a little bit bigger, now you've got, let's say, still south of 10 people, but more people, then I think it's still largely going to be driven by you, but you might want to involve some of your key people. The people who really, really get what you're doing and you see them living even if you can't tell what the values are, but they're living something that you look at their work and you go, that person gets it. Not that I'm suggesting you do cut them, but if I cut them, metaphorically speaking, they would bleed this practice, right? They would walk through walls for this practice. Those are the teammates you want to involve in the values discussion. As you get bigger still and you start having departments, then you certainly want to have your trusted leaders and the senior leadership team as a part of that conversation. But I would argue you might want to have some of the people who, again, you see just embodying those values day in, day out. What you don't want to do is have people, they're just making up numbers, they're flapping their gums just to add some noise into the room, and because that's going to dilute the things that really, really matter. And that's what values are at their core. They're the things that really, really matter. And there's a clue in there about how we go about articulating them, okay? So how many people you've got involved in the process of articulating this is going to depend on the size of your clinic. So let's imagine that you have a small team. And obviously everything I'm going to say here, you would still be able to do this. If it was just you, then you would just do this yourself, okay? But let's start, imagine you've got a small group of you who are going to try and articulate 
some practice values. Now, a really important word here is shared. And that's worth stopping and pausing for a little second because each of us had a, a completely unique upbringing. We each have a, effectively a fingerprint life. No two lives are the same, even identical twins. They're going to have slightly different experiences in this world and, and absolutely four, maybe vastly different experiences. So you cannot rely on people having the same values. That's the source of a lot of the conflict that we have in our practices, which is why it's important to get this right and articulate these. So we're not looking for identical values because you'll be searching for a very long time. What we're looking for are enough of an overlap of the values that matter in the workplace that we can use these things in order to have a compass as we navigate our way through some of the, the challenging things we're going to face, the decisions that you know, are a necessary part of leadership. And in order to do that, we're going to have to get this group of people to come up with a shared set of values. So there's numerous ways you could do this. Okay, The simplest way is you could just go on Google and download a set of values. Google a list of values. And you could all sit around and read through the list with a highlighter pen and highlight the ones that really speak to you. And everybody gets to do this and then everybody gets to rank their values by the ones that are most important. Again, it's a workplace setting. I do think context is important when we're talking about all of these things. Whether it's values or personality profile testing, context matters, okay? So making sure the context is within the workplace, what are the values that mean the most? And you rank them. And you ask everybody to go away, look at this list of values, think it through, and then put them in an order of, you know, most important to least important. Now, I wouldn't do every one of the values because there's literally hundreds of different values you could be choosing from. But certainly you would ask people to highlight the ones that really jump out at them and then rank them and discard anything beyond number 10. Okay, so you just want everybody's top 10 values. And people often get stuck like, oh, goodness how do I separate honesty from freedom, for example? And the answer is, if you stack them against each other and you said, if I could only have, or if I could only be one of these things, what would it be? Would I be honest or would I be free? Right, let's imagine you're going to go to prison and if you told a little white lie, you could avoid that to avoid your freedom. Would you be able to live with that? Does your freedom mean more than your honesty? If the answer is yes, then ranking freedom above honesty matters. Then you take the next one and maybe it's like, okay, so freedom matters more than honesty. What about compassion? Would I rather be compassionate or would I be honest? And you think of a situation that you might find yourself in where compassion were, were measured against honesty. And again, one of them will win. And so you can rank them again and so on and so forth. And eventually you'll have a ranking for these 10 values. That is the bit of paper I want you to bring to the meeting or you get your team to bring to the meeting. And then... If you're lucky, and this can get a little awkward, but if you're lucky, then everybody writes their values down on the wall or in a big big bit of paper. They everyone get to contribute their values. And then you'll look at what you've got. And what you're looking for are the ones that show up on multiple people's lists. Okay. Now that you just assemble onto the wall, and now you've got a list, a shorter list of values, because they won't all show up on everybody's list. That's highly unlikely. And what you're looking to do with this process is really get to the point of having a maximum of six. I like six and the reasons for that will become clear in a moment. But five or six values allows you enough breadth to be able to use the values effectively in a variety of decision-making situations, but enough narrowness 
that you are likely to find other people that share these values. If you've got 13 values, I tell you what, good luck finding somebody who shares all 13 of those, particularly in the current employment market. That's hard to do. So what you're looking for is a core set of values, and I'm not saying other ones won't be important, but the non-negotiables that must be true in the way that we behave and interact and treat each other for you to be a happy, harmonious unit and for you to feel like you can clearly articulate how it's expected to be around here with others. Now, are people the major pain point in your practice? If so, you're not alone. Over 90% of managers report staff problems to be their number one issue. At the root of this problem are usually three dysfunctions. A poorly articulated vision, toxic culture, or some form of leadership breakdown. If this sounds familiar, then do not despair. Help is at hand. I encourage you to check out Leaders, a veterinary-specific leadership training program where you will learn how to create and execute on a shared vision, how to hire well, and build a powerful, high-performance practice culture without all the drama. The class is accredited, delivered online, and open for applications now. To learn more, Listen to a free training webinar or apply. Visit drdavenickel.com forward slash leaders. Now back to the show. Once you've got that list, that's the start point. Now, what you'd have at that point is simply a list of five or six words. It's better than nothing. But you run into another little problem. And that problem is that honesty or compassion or fun or freedom, these can mean different things to different people. So what we've got to do is to bring these words to life. Because the words alone, they're no good. We've got to create something that actually becomes a useful working definition that people can use in the big moments to determine how they're going to act. And one of the ways you can do this is to think about this from different camera angles. Move round the value from the lens of who's going to be using the value. So life's a contact sport. Stuff's going to happen. And it might be that the value is going to come from the perspective of a client's interaction with the practice and how we interact with a client. It might be how we interact with a, a supplier. It might be how we interact with our colleagues. Or it might be how we interact with pets. Now, every value will have it lend itself perhaps to different combinations of these things. So if excellence were a value, then perhaps clinical excellence might sit very well in there. And so you might use a sentence to describe the approach that you take to clinical cases and how excellence, what does excellence mean in the form of a clinical case there? Okay, you might take the word of honesty, And what does honesty mean? Well, honesty might mean when we communicate with clients that we communicate what we're capable of and what we're not capable of. We communicate accurately the cost and accurately as we can the likely outcomes and the timelines involved. That's being honest when it comes to our communication with clients. When it comes to communicating with each other, maybe honesty is actually about giving each other the feedback we need to become better at working with each other or better at working in our jobs. So perhaps honesty is about feedback in this example. And when it comes to honesty, perhaps there's one about being honest with ourselves as well. 
and what does that mean? So you can grab camera angles around a value. Integrity. What does integrity mean? How would I demonstrate integrity in this practice when it comes to decision making? How would I demonstrate integrity towards animals? How would I demonstrate integrity towards my teammates? How would I demonstrate integrity towards clients? How might I demonstrate it towards the other people the practice is involved with, whether it's suppliers or or perhaps other authorities? Those are questions that you've got to grapple with as a leader. And, and when you can answer those questions with clarity, you can create a definition. And you're looking, I think, for about three definitions of what a good value might look like and how we might use that in a practice, okay? So I think what I would really like to do is to just give an example of what a good value would look like and how you might use that value and bring that value to life within your practice. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to read out one of the values from my own practice and I'm going to give you the three definitions of how we set about using these values, okay? So let's go ahead and do this. And I'm going to choose the value. We've got six values, okay? We've got honesty, kindness, conscientiousness, teamwork, fun, and growth, okay? So let's talk about the growth value because growth can mean a bunch of different things, right? So for us, what we said was we understand that growth is a vehicle for a better future for pets and people. That's the first definition of it, okay? So for us, if you're going to work on our team, We're going to need you to be somebody who buys into growth being an important part. You want to learn. You're hungry to learn. Okay. Now, another important part of growth is being willing to take steps, leaps forward to push yourself out of your comfort zone. Okay. So our second definition of growth is we identify and take on new challenges, learning from our mistakes. Okay. Now, there are a lot of people very uncomfortable at getting out of their comfort zone and fear failing from mistakes. Okay, so that's the sort of attitude that isn't going to go very well in my practice because if you're unwilling to get out of your comfort zone and you fear making mistakes, you're stuck. You're not going to grow. You're not going to develop. You're going to always take the safe option or run away from the thing that might be risky. Well, that doesn't work in my practice. My practice is a place And it's so important to me that this is true, where people come and they grow and they get better for the experience that they've had with us. Okay, that doesn't happen if you stay in your comfort zone. And the third definition of growth, or it's not a definition of growth, it's our third way of defining our value of growth, is we encourage, support, and celebrate the learning process in others. Now, notice that doesn't say we encourage, support, and celebrate success. It says the learning process because some of the learning process is about success for sure. Some of it's about joy, but some of it's about failure and doing hard work and making sacrifices. That's part of it. And we will encourage you and support you and celebrate your wins and your losses when you're at my practice. And what you'll notice about these statements is they're not specific. We don't say you will do 15 hours of CE every month from now until the end of time. That actually is a diktat. That's not a principle that's necessarily going to be applicable to lots of different situations. When somebody's struggling to learn or grow or overcome a challenge, just telling them to go do 15 hours of CE isn't necessarily the way forward. But as a leader, we can work with them to identify where their problem is, encourage them to get on that learning process, and encourage them to take new 
challenges and recognise that we're okay with them being uncomfortable and we'll put the things in place to support them. And all of those things are implied from our values because once we've put those principles in place, we can actually go... If somebody, for example, comes to me and goes, I'd really like to learn how to do this thing and there's a budgetary decision and it's outside of the normal budget we'd spend, then I would be obligated as a leader because of our values to ask myself the questions, am I displaying a value of understanding growth as a vehicle for a better future for pets and people? Is this person identifying and trying to take on a new challenge, one that's going to help the practice? And if so, how can I encourage support that person in their process of learning? If we can make a solid business case that makes sense for the practice and where we're headed on our mission, then I'm obligated with those values to find a way to say yes to that person. And that's the sort of practice we are. And that kind of, I hope, as an example, brings to life how awesome values can be for a leader. Because it means you've got a set of rules that you can interpret and apply to situations that allow you, if you interpret and apply them in a consistent way, to really have a playbook in front of you that makes dealing with the ambiguous and the difficult situations a lot a lot easier than would otherwise be the case. Okay, so there you go. That's it. That's the little podcast today on how you go about creating values. Now, we've covered in relatively short space of time quite a lot of distance from really how you go about identifying values in the first place and then how you go about articulating what those values mean. That's your part one and part two of this session I really hope that you now take this away and go do something with that. What are your values? What are your practices values? If you don't know, how will you find that out based on what you've learned in this session today? And once you've got a few words to play with, how can you fashion or extend those words into sentences that bring those words to life in a way that helps you as a leader to deliberately, intentionally drive behaviors that are there in support of your practice and the practice's mission? All right, gang, hope that was helpful. Hope that gave you some insight into values. As always, if you want to learn more about any of this stuff, then you can do that. We talk about values endlessly on my leaders course. You can find out more about that on drdavenickel.com where you'll find the four practice owners tab. You don't just have to be a practice owner. Practice managers are very welcome on that course as well. But as the premier leadership course in veterinary medicine, and I would be your tutor, your personal mentor, if you're a member of that course. Many people are, please check it out. And at the very least, put what you've learned here to good use. All right, till next time, when we are going to be discussing 10 ways to bring the values to life in your practice, be safe, be well, and be happy. So that wraps up today's episode of the Veterinary Leadership Success Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, it would be most appreciated if you would leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends in veterinary medicine all about us. Until next time, from all of us here, be safe, be well, and be happy. Be happy.